We are prepping for Syracuse football's first game of the brand new 2023 campaign. The Orange take on Colgate in the Dome at 4 o'clock on Saturday. And today I ask the questions that I want better answers to in Syracuse's season opener. What does this mean, right? What do this thing mean? What does that thing mean? We got a lot of questions still. And I think you're going to start to see some answers rise to the top as we see this Syracuse-Colgate matchup this weekend. It's your Locked On Syracuse Thursday episode. Let's ball out. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? What's happening? Welcome into your Lockdown Syracuse Thursday episode. Owen Valentine here saying thank you for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen today and every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. That's your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdown college. Terms and conditions apply. It's your Thursday episode. It's a little bit later in the afternoon. I apologize for another afternoon episode. Hopefully for Friday, we'll be back on track with a pure preview of this Syracuse-Colgate matchup at 4 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, we'll talk the ins and outs, things to look out for on a Colgate uh, predictions, keys, all of that fun stuff on our Friday episode. Today we do a little bit of a different look, right? I have some questions that I really do want answers to in week one. And whether or not we'll have solid answers and set in stone answers for these is still up in the air. But I think this week one matchup against Colgate is going to give us answers to a handful of questions or at least start to allow us to formulate better ideas on things that you know we're still up in the air about from last season to this season and looking at personnel in the 2023 campaign. I want to open this episode by saying Syracuse football is in the Dome on Saturday, 4 o'clock. It is supposed to be beautiful. I'm looking at the Game Time website right now, and you can get tickets to this football game for under $10. That's like going to a high school football game at this point in time. I went to, uh, I work at, in Liverpool. I went to Liverpool basketball playoff games last season that cost more than it does to go to Syracuse football season opener. Get a ticket, go to the Dome, have some fun, and be present for the Syracuse football team because this is the start of a year that has potential and really, really solid potential record-wise. There are some studs on this roster, Garrett Schrader, Aranda Gadsden, Marlo Wax, Caleb Okachuku, to name a few. Come out, watch this team play. I know it's just Colgate, but it's a season opener. Football is back, right? You've been waiting, right? The dog days of summer get you hyped up for football, and football is here and available. Be there, make the dome packed, make it a fun environment for game one, week one, and continue to do that game after game after game as there aren't a ton of options in terms of home games this season, courtesy of the fact that we forfeit a home game to play in the Dome 
again. But that's a conversation we've had already, and our everydayers are well aware of my thoughts on that decision. You don't have a ton of opportunities to say or to see Syracuse football play in the Dome this season, so make it worth it. Go to the first game. Be there for the season opener. It is dirt cheap to get to a Syracuse football game right now, especially this one on what would be a beautiful day. Hang out, tailgate, meet some people, have a good time, and watch Syracuse get out to a 1-0 start. That's where I leave this episode. That is my most important message of the day. Not that the rest of the episode isn't important by any means. But that is what I felt like needed to lead this show. You saw some really fun games last season, back-to-back sellouts. Let's continue to make that environment. I know Otto's Army is going to be there. Be loud. Be ready. Uh, The crowd means a lot, right? We talk about it all the time. Syracuse has its best recruiting class in a decade and change with this 2024 group, right? Two four-star guys, some really, really big talent, a lot of fun stuff. And maybe it might just be one three-star guy as there was a dip in the rankings. I call it the Syracuse effect, but whatever it is. You've got an outstanding recruiting class, and you are going to have recruits coming to games, and you want to be present. You want to be there the whole time. You want to show these people what it is to be playing in the Dome and the energy, the environment, and how fun it can be when that place gets rocking, that place gets loud. So show out. Have some fun. It should be a beautiful day and an incredible way to start the season for Syracuse football. Today's episode, we're talking about questions that I think we're going to start to form better answers for in week one against Colgate. And my first question has been my first question a lot of the time this offseason because of the importance of it, because of how important he is to this team. And I feel like I lead so many episodes with this tease, this walk up, this intro. We're talking Garrett Schrader and the arm health, the elbow health. How healthy is that arm? And Tim Leonard was talking with, and you know, those of you who have been a longtime listener of Locked On Syracuse know that name, Tim Leonard. Tim Leonard posted on Twitter, uh, working with Syracuse Athletics now, uh, an interview with Schrader talking about the arm health. And he said that the pretty much done with the pitch count, it's pretty much back to full strength. I don't like the phrase pretty much three days prior to a game, but that was the words that I believe were used in that interview. This game you're going to see, right? How does the arm look? We were advertised by Dino Babers that it's as good as it's ever been. It's as healthy as it's ever been. It's pristine. It's perfect. You're going to see the greatest version of Garrett Trader you could ever possibly imagine because his arm's in incredible health. But we saw in preseason camp that the arm wasn't in incredible health. And not to say that it isn't healthy, but he's being eased back in. He's on a pitch count. They're doing dry reps at practice. Things like this that aren't suggesting to me that the arm is a 1,000%. Colgate presents a great opportunity to keep Schrader on the pitch count because this is a game where he shouldn't have to play all too deep into the third quarter if things go the way that we anticipate them going on Saturday. This is a game where you can allow Schrader to ease into the season. And if you look ahead, not that we want the team to, but we can, uh, discussing this team, as you look ahead to next week, against Western Michigan, you can have a similar outlook. Right now, I want to see what the arm looks like. I want to see if it's, you know, solid, simple, ready to do everything, throw the deep ball, which has been a concern of mine with regards to Garrett Schrader. I want him to be as healthy as can be. I want Dino to be spot on that he is as good as he's ever been, but we've been advertised that he's perfect and flawless and good as ever. 
And that's not what we're seeing. And that's not what we necessarily are being told when we look at the actual words that are being used. So this is the start of the answer in terms of how healthy Garrett Schrader's arm is. You're going to see some Carlos Del Rio Wilson in this game, predominantly because Syracuse should blow Colgate out of the water, but also because Schrader is still easing his way back in, right? And I said this a couple of weeks ago. I said this last week, probably. I don't think I'm concerned with Garrett Schrader's recovery if it wasn't for the way it was advertised, and then we backtrack on. If you were told we're easing him back in, right, he's going through the normal recovery, I don't think I'm worried right now. But we were told in this offseason at ACC Media Days and things like that that the arm was perfect and 100%, and it's going to be better than ever. And then what we're seeing in preseason camp does not necessarily echo that same sentiment. So that is the big question for me just because of how far I think Garrett Schrader drives Syracuse success-wise. We'll take a quick break. And then we'll talk. I got four more questions that I think need to be answered or can be answered in week one against Colgate. If you have questions, throw them in the comments on YouTube. Tweet at me at LO underscore Syracuse. Send me a DM over on Twitter as well if you'd like to do that. Join the conversation. Get us conversation started. If you want to hit on something for tomorrow's show or another question that we can address later on in our Syracuse football coverage, feel free to let me know. I look at the comments and I'm reading them. I'm reading the tweets. I'm reading the DMs to make sure that I can answer to the best of my ability the questions that you as the viewers and listeners want to hit on. But let's take a quick break. Let's talk about our friends at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you've got access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Just go to LinkedInJobs.com, add the job, add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. There's simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Finding that right team member is crucial. That's why we were so excited to talk about the depth chart for Syracuse on our Tuesday episode of Locked on Syracuse. And it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Oh, and Valentine, you're on your Lockdown Thursday episode. We're talking questions that I think we can start formulating better answers to in Syracuse's week one game against Colgate. We just talked about Schrader's arm. My next question has to do with both sides of the ball here, the offense and the defense, right? You have two new coordinators, right? You lose Tony White on the defensive side and you bring in Rocky Long. And on the offensive side, you lose Robert and I and you promote internally Jason Beck. Now, both of these, offensively and defensively, represent new coaches, but not necessarily a new scheme, right? Rocky Long, the founder, the godfather, the the creator, the inventor, the Oppenheimer, if you will, with regards to the 3-3-5. And Tony White, or put that in, right? You're, you're used to it a little bit. And on the other side, Right. The schemes that you saw from Robert and I last season 
look to be continued by Jason Beck. And so my question is, is are they truly the same thing or are we going to notice that there are some differences? And so I'm, I'm curious how these offense or how the offense and defense operate in these consistent schemes, given the fact that the guys running the show and, and the people calling the shots, if you will, are new faces, new minds and new football brains. So the intricacies of it are, are something that I want to keep an eye on. And, and it's been talked about, especially on the defensive side. I've been hearing some rumblings of, of different ways that, that Rocky Long likes to approach certain offensive schemes. And so that kind of stuff, I'm very interested to see, you know, what jumps off the page. And then offensively, schematic-wise, right, what do you see? We, we figure and we assume that you're going to see that tight end slash receiver role for Aranda, where he's actually spending probably two thirds plus of his snaps in the slot and out wide and, you know, under a third in the true tight end role. And, and that's also where, you know, we, we can lead into another question, uh, you know, to give a question within a question. As you look at the depth chart, right, we know at this point in time that Aranda Gadsden is listed as a tight end, but he's not the true tight end. I'm curious how the snaps are broken down between the or at tight end of Max Nang and Dan Villari, right? Dan Villari came in as a quarterback and has since now started year two taking reps at tight end. So I'm curious how that or looks and how those two are utilized if in what schemes, in what instances they're brought out there and how they're utilized well on the field. Uh, so that's another thing, right? There are intricacies and in how these schemes run. Uh, under new leadership and under the new coordinators in Rocky Long and Jason Beck. My next question has to do with the wide receiver group. Aranda Gadsden, uh, although in terms of awards and in terms of recognition is going to get a lot of credit as a tight end, he is a wide receiver. He is your wide receiver one, and he is the premier option for Garrett Schrader. And as we saw last year, at times, he's the premier option to a fault. Need I bring up the start? of that Notre Dame game, right? Predetermined the ball's going to Gadsden, forced, forced, interception, touchdown. That's not what we want to see this year. But we know that that's the first option. Why wouldn't it be? He's a top 100 player per ESPN. He is an NFL caliber talent per any rumblings that you're talking about with regards to Gadsden. But the rest of this group, and there are undoubtedly front runners. Uh, have some room to solidify themselves as that next option, an option three. And I think having the two second and the third option and establishing that early, and that's something that Dino Babers has talked about in his preseason press conferences, is going to be paramount to Syracuse's passing success. The lo you look at the front runner and Damian Alford to be that number two option and probably Isaiah Jones to be the number three option. But who else jumps to the front, Right. Who of those two, in terms of Alford and Jones, establishes themselves from the get-go as that next option? Um, I've seen takes for both guys. I believe I made the take that Alford will score more touchdowns this season, but Isaiah Jones will have more receiving yards. We'll see how that looks five, six, seven games into the year. You've also got a guy in Donovan Brown who is faster than lightning, uh, really, really quick, a smaller body. When you look at the 6-4 frame and the 6-6 frame from Jones and Alford, respectively, what does Donovan Brown do in his presumed one week as a starter as Trevor Pena recovers from his out, to use Dino Babers' quote there? 
Does he jump up? Does he establish himself? Does he take reps away from Pena when he makes his return? How does that work in? The wide receiving group, it seems like Dino wants to establish a hierarchy, wants to have solidified options two and three. Who wants to jump in there? Is it Chalk? Is it Damian Alford and Isaiah Jones? Or are you going to see some sort of jump? Donovan Brown seems to be that guy that could be the jump. Uh, Amari Hatcher you could throw in there. Demarcus Adams, the other two guys listed on this too deep. Uh, Is it someone deeper than that? I wouldn't imagine so. How does Trevor Pena mix back in when he returns and is healthy? Uh, The wide receivers, you know, leave one of my bigger question marks with this team. Not in terms of it being a unit that I think will struggle. I think that's a unit that will hold its own. And obviously when you're led by a guy like Aronde Gadsden and you've got some pretty good options in terms of experience and in terms of what they can do and what you've seen them do in sparse instances in the past, I I, I don't have this as a question mark because I'm worried about them yet. Maybe there's an off chance that that becomes an issue that I'm more concerned about progressing in the season. But when we look at this squad, who wants to step up? Who wants to be option two? Because it is up in the air and it is yours for the taking. If you are in that group of, you know, non-Gadston guys that are looking to get some reps and make the most of any targets that you get in weeks one through four uh, before you get into that three-game gauntlet of Clemson, North Carolina, and Florida State. My next question is, is a unit that I'm less confident in than the wide receivers, I will say. Um, And I I think it's because of the lack of experience as a unit and and the lack of experience uh, in in terms of Syracuse and playing together. And it's not to say that this is a group that doesn't have starts under their belt, right? You look at the O-line, and if you didn't pick that up, I'm talking the offensive line. You look at Joe Moore with 37 career starts to his name. Uh, when you look at his time at Richmond uh, leading up to his transferring to Syracuse. You look at Chris Bleich, who is your left guard at this point, with 27 starts in his career. You look at a guy who is a backup on this offensive line in Kalan Ellis with 14 starts throughout his career. But then you also look at some inexperience. Enrique Cruz started five games last season. Those are his only five career starts. You look at John Ray Reed who I don't believe has a start at this level. And I believe I'm correct in that. I would be shocked if that stat was incorrect. Uh, You look at a guy in David Wallaba, who has one start in his career uh, at this point in time. We're looking at this group, right? There are some experienced pieces, undoubtedly, between Bleich, between Joe Moore. And you see that at the guards, and both of them, you know, in, in a spot where they're forcing people like Kalan Ellis out of the starting rotation there and the starting O-line because of their, you know, what they've shown in preseason camp at this point in time. That experience is going to be valuable, but now you can go and, you know, you've got Juco experience in the mix here, not to discredit that, but you go inexperienced in Enrique Cruz to experienced in Chris Bleich, inexperienced in John Ray Reed, too experienced in Joe Moore, and then inexperienced in Joe Wall. So you've got that sort of back and forth of veteran guys that have started 20-plus games at this level and guys with less experience. I'm looking at how they play 
against a Colgate team that is a far inferior opponent to them. This isn't a defense that you should be feared, right? This isn't what you're going to face when you see Clemson in the ACC opener or when you see a strong Florida State squad. This is Colgate. How does this O-line perform against Colgate in what is a cupcake game for all intents and purposes? Do they rise to the occasion? I want this to be flawless. I want next week to be flawless. And if you're not flawless against Purdue, I understand that. But I want this to be a unit that I walk away from this game on Saturday saying, I liked the way the O-line played. They looked cohesive. They looked like they played a lot together. And they look like a unit that can succeed this season. Because being able to present holes for LaQuint Allen in the run game, for Garrett Schrader in terms of time, and being able to establish a sound pocket for him to get further in the progressions. That's going to allow your wide receivers to thrive. That's going to allow your offense as a whole to thrive. Your O-line, I talk about how Schrader makes and breaks this season. Your O-line can make or break Garrett Schrader's season. We saw what happened with Tommy DeVito a few years back, where he struggled to get going as a result of some personal things, right? He was not playing incredible by any means, but the O-line made it very, very difficult for him to succeed. And he just made the Giants practice squad after what we thought was an incredibly disappointing career at Syracuse. The O-line can make and break Garrett Schrader's season, just as Schrader can make or break Syracuse's season. And as I've said time and time again, Dino Babers' next step as a coach can be driven by Garrett Schrader. The final question has to do with some of the fun things that you can enjoy in a game against a team like Colgate, where you're expected to blow them out, where you're expected to be able to solidify a, a really, really strong victory. We look at the two deep, right? We, we look at areas where Syracuse has a ton of experience and some areas where you know, you'd like to see some other guys step up and, and show some success. And these are going to be guys that contribute without a doubt. But I look at the reserves and I look at who stands out amongst the reserves in games like this. Does someone in the secondary stand out? I think that's a spot where you might see a name that can really jump to the front of things in terms of a Jaden Gould or a Jaden Bellamy, both of whom Syracuse got in the transfer portal as redshirt freshmen this season, who can be a nice little option a couple of years down the road when Elijah Clark is gone, when Jeremiah Wilson. Uh, is gone or when uh, Isaiah Johnson is gone, right? Isaiah Johnson, the redshirt senior, Clark, a junior, and Jeremiah Wilson, a sophomore. So probably not when Wilson's gone, but when Johnson and Clark are gone, right? Jaden Gould and Jaden Bellamy are two guys that you would expect to possibly fill into those roles, right? Who else jumps up? Who else makes some plays? And who else says, hey, you know, I'm going to get my number called and I am going to make the most of that. I'm going to do something big. I'm going to do something that stands out. That's one of my favorite things to see towards the end of those games, right? Guys that, you know, did their thing in preseason camp, made their way into rotation conversations, and now have a chance to get on the field, stand out, and work towards getting more significant snaps. Let's recap. How is Schrader's arm? How do the offensive and defensive scheme looks in the same system with a new coach who jumps to the top of that wide receiver group behind a Gadsden. That's question number three. 
Question number four, how cohesive is the O-line in a game against a far inferior opponent? And question five, who stands out amongst the reserves in this game? Get to the Dome on Saturday. Tickets are cheap. I told you I'm on the Game Time website right now, and I see tickets in the 300s for $6 each. I see tickets in the 100s for $15 each, actually $13 each in the 100s, okay? You can find tickets for a great price over there. Check it out. Get some tickets and be there on Saturday for Syracuse's home opener. I will be there. I got six or seven buddies that will go. We'll have some fun. There is a chance. Stay tuned for this. I might have two extra tickets. We can do a little bit of a giveaway tomorrow if that is the case. I got to double check to make sure I have them. But that's where we'll leave off today on your Lockdown Syracuse Thursday episode. Thank you for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen today and every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. That's your team. That's Syracuse every day 19 episodes in the books this wraps up our month of august at this point in time we're starting september episodes tomorrow morning with a syracuse colgate preview let's have some fun jump in the comments let me know questions you have any general comment about what this game means this team as a whole or things that you want me to hit on please do so on youtube at lo underscore syracuse over on twitter fire off a dm fire off a tweet reply to a tweet uh, do your thing. I do my best to read all of those. If I miss it, fire it off again. All right. That's okay. I apologize if I missed the first, but sometimes I just need a reminder. Uh, that'll do it for today's episode. I will see you tomorrow morning. Have a great day. Be kind. Enjoy the nice weather. It's not quite fall, but it's a little chilly. Make somebody smile. I'll see you tomorrow.